You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. You guys are probably wondering, what are the Psalms of Ascent? Has anyone thought that yet this morning? Well, we are, on, <laughs> we are about to go on a journey through the Psalms of Ascent. Now, we know that Jerusalem is on a hill. So it is believed and thought by scholars that these songs, these Psalms that we're going to be journeying through together over the next few weeks are the songs that the villagers, that the people of God would sing on their way up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. See, these psalms are what, what they would use to reflect on their journey. We are on a road. We are on a journey. And together we're going on a journey through the psalms of ascent. And it's going to be brilliant. So we're starting today with Psalm 120. If you've got your Bibles, this will be the time to get it out, or you've got the Bible app, you've got your notepads, get them all out now. We're going to read this together. And we're going to be reading it a few times throughout uh, today, throughout the preach. And I want you to have it ready so that you can read with me. If you don't have your Bible, it's coming up on the screens. But it says this, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me, I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among these, lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. See, for us to really understand this, we need to know what David was experiencing as he was writing it. We know that, that David was a psalmist. He wrote songs, most creatives. As if you're creative in the room, will know that most of your flow comes out of emotion. It comes out of an emotional seat that you're sat in. And at the time that David wrote this psalm, he was in the process of being accused. See, Saul's servants was accusing him of lies, treason, trying to commit crimes against Saul, trying to kill him, betraying him. And what David was complaining about, he was complaining that he was being driven out of the congregation of the Lord and being put among barbarous people. You see, David was, was happy where he was. He was serving. But there was lies being said against him. It says in verse 2, Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. You see, we can see that David felt frustrated. He felt betrayed. He felt mistrusted. Why? Because people were lying about him. They were trying to drive him out of where he was. You see, we know that lips are soft and that lips are gentle. But lips can also be murderous. Say that again. Lips are soft, lips are gentle, but they can also be murderous as razors. See, wars don't start with fighting. Wars start with generals sat around a table talking. Lips are soft and gentle, but they're also as murderous as razors. See, James puts it, puts it like this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and we curse men who have been made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Lips are soft and gentle, but lips are also as murderous as razors. You see, today, right now, we've just been glorifying God. We've been praising him. We've been lifting him up. But how many of us, when we get caught up in the Tesco car park after church? (laughs) Two completely different things, right? One moment we are praising God. We're saying, Jesus, you are king of my life. I love you. I will be your servant. And then we get to Tesco's and someone takes the last loaf of bread and we're like. (laughs) I'm not speaking out of personal experience there. I'm very gracious in Tesco's after church. As Jesterday will know, you guys always see me in Tesco. You see, for us to really understand this psalm, I want us to put ourselves in the emotional driving seat that David was in. So I want you to think about a time where maybe you were, have been lied about. You've been mistreated, mistrusted, betrayed, when your attentions were pure. Can everyone think of that time, of a moment where someone lied against you, they, they took your goodwill and betrayed you? Has everyone got a timeline? I want you to bring it to the forefront of your mind. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this again. But we're going to be sat in the same emotional driving seat that David was in. And it's going to bring the words to life out of us being able to empathize and put ourselves in the same place as David. So does everyone bring that to your forefront? Bring, it, bring to the forefront of your mind a time where you had been betrayed, lied against, driven out, mistreated, misunderstood. Parents, children, you can probably do that one. You can probably think of that one. Everyone bring something to the forefront of your mind. And we're going to read this again. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. David didn't write this before or after opposition. David didn't write this psalm in processing of the opposition that he was facing. He wrote it right in the middle, when he was face to face with the lies, when he was face to face with the the deceit. He's saying, I call on the Lord, save me, God. He was right in the middle. He was face to face with those people. He was surrounded with the lies. He was processing his emotion face to face with God real time as he was going through it. And church, I want to encourage you that you can also do that. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to feel like you're misunderstood, but you're allowed to take it to God. He wants you to go to him, to go, I'm feeling it, Lord. Save me. Can you not see me here? 
Can you not see these things that people are saying about me? I'm a man of peace and they are trying to drive me out. Lord, I'm just trying to do your will in this workplace. But why is everything so hard? Why is the world against me? It is okay to process your emotion face to face with God. Jacob literally wrestled with God to get his blessing. He left with a limp from wrestling with God. David, we read it in all of the Psalms. He was a man after God's own heart. When he was in the field, just fighting a bear is enough for me. Please, Lord, never let me fight a bear. But he knew God so well because of the the wrestles and the fights that he had to go through. And he, he learned the lessons because he didn't just hold on to it on his own. He took it to God. Raw emotion, face to face. He didn't try and do it alone and then take it to God. He didn't try and anticipate with God. He lived real time, him and God, side by side, step by step. You see, when we face an opposition, when we face a challenge, when we face distress, there are three things that are challenged. There are three things that are put to test. And I want to explore these three things with you. So if you're making notes, the first thing that we um, are put to the test when we're faced with opposition is your default. Think about loading a computer. Think about buying a new phone. When you turn it on, it has a default setting. We're the same. We're brought up through our worldview, through our life experiences, We are programmed with a default setting from the experiences we go through. So when an opposition comes against us, we react. We respond in a default. But I have good news for you. We can reprogram that. You see, we see in the the first verse, it says, I call on the Lord and he answers. Right here, we're seeing David's default setting. See, David's default wasn't to panic to fear. David's default was to call on the Lord. We know that when we're facing something that is distressful or in opposition, we're told there are two responses. Fight, flight. I don't think that's true. Because I think that when you live in step in accordance with God, when you live in a deep relationship with God and with Jesus, you actually have a third response. You actually have a third instinct. Prayer. To call on the name of the Lord. Let prayer be an instinct. Prayer will only become an instinct when you are walking step by step. An instinct of prayer comes out of a depth of relationship with Jesus. It can't become an instinct if you're not walking your every day. It's a journey. It takes time. You see, me and Abby, we were on holiday a few weeks ago, and this holiday was a gift literally from God. It was given to us. It was a blessing. And we, just before we went on holiday, we were, we were believing for something. We thought it was the next step. We were like, this is it. We have found the next step. Come on, God. We were believing in hope. And we knew that we were going to get the answer on the thing that we were believing for whilst we were on holiday. So we knew it was going to be about halfway through week one. We were away for two weeks. The first three days, I can't lie to you, we slept. We just completely chilled out. It was so good. We just kind of waved at each other, went back to sleep, walked to the pool, got a drink. It was, it was bliss. But then it started getting to the Wednesday, and we started to wake up a little bit because we were like, it's nearly answer time. It's nearly any day now we're going to get the answer. 
And Wednesday didn't come. We were like, okay, that's fine. Let's just enjoy today. Might be tomorrow morning. We wake up on the Thursday and Abby goes to me, I've had the email. I've got the answer. And she opened the email and it was disappointment. It wasn't what we were believing for. In fact, it was the complete opposite for what we needed and what we were hoping for and believing for. You see, in a moment, our instinct was to panic. But Lord, what are we going to do? What about this giant gap that is in front of us? And then we just separated. I went into the other room. I left Abby. I was like, right, we just need to process this. Let's give each other some space. But I believe it, it must have been exactly the same time. The Holy Spirit caused us both to pause. And we went, we got together and we prayed. You see, we're not there yet. Can't always be there. You're going to panic. It's okay. We're human. We are pre-programmed. Our defaults are different. But we can move towards a reprogramming. You say, what we did is we prayed. And through prayer, we were given peace. And through peace, we were given a word to dare to dream. And our holiday didn't go from a place of distraught and distress and almost guilt that we were away when we should be at home fixing this giant gap that we had. Instead, it became an adventure of dreaming with God. Instead, every day we sat by the pool, we prayed, we envisioned, God, what have you got for me? We said, God, what have you got for Audacious Chief? What have you got for Audacious Church? We're not going to sit here and panic and fear and let the enemy rob. No, we're going to step into a default of prayer. We're going to lift you up. And we are going to dare to dream. Our defaults can be to shrink back. Our default can be anxiety. It can be eating, shouting, sleeping. But David was to call on the Lord. Church, imagine, imagine. I get excited. I'm jumping around. Imagine the depth of relationship you'd live in if your default was to call on the Lord. Not for me, but for you. Imagine that for yourself. David, in the second part, he says, Annie will answer me. David had a confidence. I spoke about fighting bears, lions, Goliath. David had a confidence in who God was. It says this, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. It says a couple of verses down in Psalm 27, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the living land. What would your life look like if you were truly confident in the Lord? Truly confident in God. Confidence is everything. Confidence is everything. You guys have all probably taken the Mikami at some point for the shaved head I had to have for Audacious Youth. Let me tell you, confidence is everything. I did not have my bold confidence on the way into church that first week after having my head shaved. It wasn't there. As soon as it happened, in fact, apparently I went to the bathroom when I got off camera and my literal family told me they heard me scream. I didn't even know I screamed when I saw my own reflection. Confidence is everything. You see, I felt exposed. I'd lost my hair. I literally almost felt naked. I didn't know what was going on. But now I've got the blessing of going back to the barbers. And it's all good. Abby literally says to me, Josh, you've got to get your bold confidence. In a time where I felt naked, exposed, my wife built me up. And I was able to be confident. 
I was able to walk into church with a smile and actually declare the goodness of God of what he provided through Audacious Sheaf instead of being worried about my own head. Be confident in what the Lord has done, is doing, and will do. Get your bold confidence. The next thing that's tested is your defense. See, David knew who his defender was. He knew, he said, what will he do to you? And besides, and more besides, oh, deceitful tongue. God is now calling on God to act. If you ever re- wished revenge on anyone, I'm pretty, I know all of you are like, I'm not going not to admit to that one. We all have. We've all been there. And uh, David knew who his defending was, defender was. And in, in the next verse, we're going to explore in a moment, David was doing more than just dreaming of revenge. He was envisioning it. He was envisioning the revenge that God was going to have on his enemies. It's so important, church, that we all take a hold of this, that we are all confident in our defender. See, I don't know what you've come in here with, you've experienced, but I want to encourage you today. He is for you. He loves you. He cares for you. No matter what distress or opposition you're going through, He is your defender. You can call on the name of the Lord. He is by your side. Jesus is on your side. He is our great defender. Take comfort in that. You don't need to fight your battles on your own. In fact, Romans says this. What then shall we say in response to this? Is God for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How... How will he not also be along, along with him, gracious gift of all things? You see, we need, to, we need to take hold of this. We need to have a conviction. We need to take confidence. Jesus died for you. He didn't go to prison. He wasn't just beaten. He wasn't just mocked. He died. He died. So if he's willing to die for you, how much more willing is he to give you peace, patience, love, Joy, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. How much more for you if he's willing to go through the pain of the cross is he to help you in your hour of need? You see, nothing compares to death, especially death on a cross. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He is your great defender. He is fighting on your side. It says this in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in the way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You will fall, but he's not gonna leave you on your own. He's not gonna say, come on, dust off your knees, get back to it. He's gonna sit with you. He's gonna help you get up. He's gonna fight for you. You aren't in this fight alone. No matter what you are facing, God is with you. He is fighting. And the third thing that is put to test is your decision. Your decisions. When we face opposition, what decision do we make? What are the decisions that we make? You see, it says this in verse six. It says, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. You see, we need to be able to recognize 
when an environment is conflicting to our nature. See, David, he was saying, God, you've made me a man of peace, but when I speak to them, they only want to speak of war. He is aware that who he is, who God made him, isn't that of the environment and the culture that surrounds him. We need to make a decision, church, that when we face an opposition, not to become the same as the environment and the culture that the opposition exists in, but to remain the man and women of peace. To remain who God has called you to be. You see, with that, we can face any storm. If we just remain in him. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. That's what Jesus said. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. It's one thing to live with a peace hater for a night. It's another thing to live with them day after day. See, David had to be wise. He had to know which was the right fight to fight. I grew up with a brother who was two years younger than me. It's fair to say we did a lot of fighting growing up. And through becoming slightly more mature as we've grown up, and the fact that he lives in Canada now, we started to fight a lot less. And uh, it's because we've, we started to realize what is worth fighting. Mate, you just, this, this isn't worth fighting you over. I'm just going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to see where you're coming from in, from in this moment. And I'm just not going to fight you on it. I'm going to love you instead. Church, we need to choose the right fights. Know when to be the lion and when to be the lamb. Know when to roar and when to love. This Christian life is full of so much joy. But we need to recognize that as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, we are going to face and we are facing a very real enemy. You see, we're at war just like David. We're the peacemakers surrounded in a culture and an environment of war. It says this in Ephesians 4, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to make a decision, corporately and individually, to remain the peacemakers of this world to remain in who God has called us and made us to be, to not become one of the culture in the environment that surrounds us, but to declare the name of Jesus in its face, to face the opposition, to be willing to go through the raw emotion moments with God, to know that that is okay, and to make a decision that I will bring peace to my environment. I will not let it rock me. I will remain in who God has made me to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 